0: How's the conference?
1: It's good. This is one of the conferences that we put on. Um, it was a little bit of a shock to go from 35 degrees in Boston to 90 degrees in LA today. So that's fun.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think most people would probably love to do that. So that sounds amazing.
1: 35 <laughs> is too cold, but I am not a fan of 90 degree heat either. So it's a little warmer than I would prefer.
0: Um, did you make any conference friends yet?
1: Well, it's you know, as when you're the staff, you kind of have to take a step back a little bit. I mean, I'm certainly I'm friendly to everybody and stuff. I'm having uh, cocktails tonight with uh, a literary agent who works for us, so you know that's something.
0: <laughs> Sound good? Yep, sounds good. <clears throat>
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Welcome, welcome. We are, again, uh, recording in the afternoon today because I, unfortunately, have been... um, Work traveling out here in Los Angeles. I'm recording from a hotel room, but I did bring my microphone and everything, and we are going to make this happen. We're going to talk about Apocalypse Episode 7, which is, of course, The traitor. Traitor before we begin we have so much to talk about um a few minor housekeeping things as always you can catch us on facebook.com slash this american horror story to continue the conversation we had great conversation on there this week lots of people weighing in on different things from the return to murder house i do have um some things i want to touch on from those conversations of course you can always email us as well uh, excuse me email us as well at this american horror story at gmail.com we sincerely appreciate that and please uh, go to itunes review us um and that, that means so much to us. We sincerely appreciate it. And, again, it gets us out to even more people. The other thing I want to say this week, and I'm going to say it again next week, is we encourage all of our listeners to go to vote.org um, before these upcoming midterm elections just to find out where your local polling uh, station is. Make a commitment to vote. We're not going to tell you who to vote for, but we are just going to encourage everybody who's out there to engage in their, uh, you know, They're democratic rights, basically. Go out there and vote for what you believe in and and play a role in our country's democracy,
0: you know? We are not supported uh, financially by vote.org, but we are supported by democracy. So participate.
1: Exactly, exactly. So without further ado, before we begin to dive into the trader, I want to uh, talk about a few quick things from last week. First... I will say that on Facebook, you and I were widely panned for not appreciating Mora's Ma- uh, moment with her mother. Um, and look, it, I totally understand. It really touched a lot of people who'd lost loved ones, and I, I totally get that. You know, my personal opinion is I think that she's a, a good character, and sure, I think she deserved closure like everybody else, and that episode was full of closure, like we said, and some happy endings we maybe didn't necessarily agree with. But my personal view was just that Mora of the characters of Murder House was not one of my favorites. And I just wanted to spend more time with, say, Constance of the Harmons than, you know... I just wanted Mora's, you know, have her moment but let it be quick and get back to the characters I love more. That was my personal opinion. So, just throwing that out there.
0: I kind of agree.
1: <laughs> um, also, uh, folks with DVR did us a great favor and sent us some screenshots that indeed showed that Behold a Madison destroyed uh, the old gazebo that was covering Mora's... Um, remains and so that was something that was not overlooked it was indeed by the creators probably you know beholden Uh, Madison used magic to destroy that so we got that taken care of as well Um, I did also want to say that on Facebook Bryce and Rosie brought to our attention that the Church of Satan uh, didn't like how they were portrayed and actually posted a public statement against American Horror Story which I thought was kind of interesting Um, the general message being that apparently the Satanic Bible yeah the Satanic Bible is more about self-worship and self-empowerment Whereas I guess it's Luciferianism Luciferianism that is more about the worship of Lucifer himself. Right. Um, Which I think is interesting. (laughs) Uh, You know, this is obviously perhaps, you know, Ryan Murphy dabbling maybe too much in religion without doing enough research. Who's to say for sure, Um, you know, there's been criticism in the past for how he's portrayed religion in different ways. Um, the only real exposure, I don't know anything about Satanism other than I know that I think um, the Guilfoyle the character on Silicon Valley, I think, is a Satanist. Right. And that's pretty much my only exposure to it. So, And uh, final comment I love um, on Michael's rapid aging. Um, you know, how he jumps from being such a young boy to being a young man so quickly, Um, Susan on Facebook, and maybe someone else had sent us this in a message too, uh, pointed out that, um, well, Susan said that she remembered in her catechism classes growing up that in the Bible, Jesus jumps from being a baby to a grown man very quickly. So that's kind of the, you know, the Antichrist, that would then be the parallel that he would go through that similar experience. So that explains that. And I think that's a good lead into the traitor because for me, this episode was a good deal of it was spent basically answering outstanding questions we had that we were like, well, why did why is this the case? Why is that the case? And there seemed to be a lot of explainers in this episode. So, without further ado, I'm wondering if you could uh, tell us about the cold open, Chris, with Dina, the Voodoo Queen.
0: Dina. Yeah. So we see we see Dina Dina the Voodoo. Uh, I guess the next queen we find out after Marie Laveau was is no longer with us. She's making a house call to this very fancy mansion, visiting, um, well, actually, initially we see her using kind of a voodoo doll to kill this woman, uh, which is artfully shot and pretty cool to see, and a little graphic with the uh, blood and guts, but she ends up taking the heart out of this woman and showing up at the mansion where she finds uh, this woman, and, and the woman, we find out, has hired uh Dinah to kill this other woman who his who she was having or who her husband was having an affair with, sorry. Uh and in turn they take the heart and they put it in a blender of, like the song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I just read when you said that put it a touched a little <laughs>
0: heart in a blender. a of a around like a beautiful oblivion. That's probably before through That's you, gotta be okay. before the time of a lot of listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah that's true. Uh, great song check it out anyway they put in a blender and force-feed it to the husband who's strapped to the bed and apparently this type of uh, potion or this type of uh, ritual will now only allow the husband to get hard for his wife and not for anybody else so he will no longer have a quote-unquote wandering dick
1: and then, of course, the cold open wraps with Cordelia showing up and wanting a meeting with Papa Legba, for which Dina asks for $100,000 to set it up. Um, a couple other key things I wanted to mention from here. For me, the withdrawing of the heart from the opening scene, it's you know very similar to the the Satan scene that we saw, I think, last week when the Satanists all show up. And they remove the heart from that innocent um, for then Michael to eat. So I'm not really sure what the comparison is there. Maybe it's because they're both darker forms of magic or something like that? I don't know. Um, Or they're dealing with hell, you know, um, summoning things from hell in one way or another. Um, Just an interesting thing to point out. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out was, you know, obviously we know that there's been, we find out that there's been continued bad blood between the voodoo witches and the coven for years, ever since Marie Laveau died. And just a reminder about how that happened in coven, uh, Marie Laveau was killed by um, Kathy Bates, Delphine LaLaurie, and her soul ended up uh, becoming, you know, it was belonged it belonged to Papa Legba. So she was indeed brought to hell after that and, and one of those people that's kind of repeating experience in hell over and over. Um, and that's kind of what led to Dina being the new queen. Um, I also thought that there was an interesting comment that Dina threw in there that she was saying it's really hard, you know, it's a tough money time for voodoo witches because no one wants voodoo magic because of appropriation. Which I just thought was some interesting kind of cultural commentary yeah. that they put in there as well. So I'm going to talk about this episode in effectively two threads, one with the Joan Collins kind of thread and one with the Dina thread, and then we'll kind of come together with The Last Supper. So let's talk about Dina first. You know, Um, she preps the Papa Legba ceremony, and we get to see Lance Reddick back as Papa Legba again. Um, How does this, you know, how was this reunion to you? We've seen a lot of characters come back. Um, where, Where does it fit on that kind of scale
0: I'm excited to see? Uh, I would say somewhere in the middle. I like him a lot as a character because I love Lance Reddick. Uh, Papa Legba himself is quite the uh, spooky character. He's very eerie, and I'm always I get chills when I see him. I think they portray him as this Im- intimidating, you know, figure. Uh, but he's got a like a little sense of humor to him too. So it makes it exciting and fun when he does. Pop up. He's dark and sadistic in a way, but he's also kind of a fun guy. <laughs> um, no, it, so I was happy to see him, and I like Lance. It's funny you know, that you are. S- you happy to see him? Oh, of
1: course. Yeah, I was. I was, and honestly, um, when I saw him, I had forgotten how much I liked that character. You know, so it made me even more yes. excited to see him again. And I think it's funny that you say the thing about, you know, he's he's scary, but he kind of has that sense of humor because it's almost like he embodies the balance that they've been trying to strike between combine. You know, having this. Crossover tone, between Murder right. House and The Tone of Coven, and he really is kind right. of part of what that brings that thread together. He hits those marks. I also love how they have that rattlesnake sound effect in the background with him too. It's just like he's got this like aura around him that I think is really cool. Right, I agree. A couple things we learn here, uh, among them is that Dinah has turned down Papa Legbur's offer of immortality. Um, unlike Marie Laveau, who had it, she had agreed into it, not knowing the full circumstances, remember she had to give her her baby to. That you have to give a newborn child to Legba to get immortality is kind of his bargain he makes with people. Um, and it would have required, I think Dina even says that she wasn't going to give a, a, a newborn. Um, we also see Nan, which is someone we had talked about a lot this season.
0: Um, oh, she another is popping up right behind Papa Legba.
1: Yeah, with the great line, Long time no see, bitch, which is a very coven line.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, reminder that for Nan. Uh, how her story entered in Coven is that she was drowned in a bathtub by Fiona and Marie Laveau as an innocent sacrifice to Legba. So it kind of makes sense why she wasn't brought back in the other way. Um, and, you know, again, another fun character to kind of unexpectedly see appear. Now, I think maybe Bryce had predicted we would maybe see her um, on, on Facebook, but I hadn't thought about it until this.
0: Well, it was good to see her happy. Um, I, I think that might be the last time we see her for this season. Uh, unless she comes back as, one, unless Jamie Brewer comes out back as a different character, but at least for Nan, it sounds like she's having a grand old time in hell with Papa Legba, just stirring up mischief. Right.
1: Yeah, they seem to like really have a little dynamic there too. <laughs> There's a couple good. Th- th- this season's been 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 filled with good pairings. You know, behold and Madison yes. from last episode, um, Myrtle and Bubbles from this episode, which we'll talk about later. And I like the the, the Nan uh, Papa Legba's good too.
0: Which is the testament of a good series and a good show where you have a ton of characters. You know, you look at shows from, uh, you know, like Modern Family, let's say. I know that's a completely different type of thing. But when you pair different characters together and see how they interact and and play with each other, that creates this dynamic that it's a little more compelling and fun to watch. Ooh, how would they interact with that person? How are they going to be with that? How's their humor going to play off each other? And this series has done a pretty good job of that so far. And like you said, especially this episode.
1: Right. And I think, you know, I remember Walking Dead back to season two where it had kind of gotten slow and everyone was kind of not sure if they were still into Walking Dead. And then in season, I think three or four, they kind of got back to, um, well, not got back to, but they started pairing off like strange pairings of characters. And they would have kind of these episodes where you just focus on a couple of characters. And that made the show a lot stronger. And I think it allows those characters to develop that. in more Love interesting that. ways. And that's what they did.
0: Um, so Cordelia asks. Pa- Beth, Beth and Daryl was one of my favorites, yeah. by the way. Yeah,
1: those were, that was, there were some great ones. Um, Cordelia, <laughs> Cordelia wants Papa Legba to open the gates of hell so she can lure Michael in, but Legba, Legba is asking for the souls of the entire coven in return. And at this point, she says, "No, that's I'm insane. not going to do that." That is insane. Yeah, um, you know, it's this situation where you know, do you give, do, do you sacrifice the lives of the few to save the many? And that's not something Cordelia can bring herself to do. So I'm going to ask you to step into the prediction chair for a minute here. And knowing what we know about kind of some of the stuff that's happened. In the future, does Cordelia come back to Papa Legba with any kind of deal, or do you think that she kind of proceeds on her own and comes up with a new
0: solution? I imagine we haven't seen the last of Papa Legba yet. Um, Now, if she comes and tries to make good on this deal that he's offered her, um, I don't think that's going to happen, or I don't don't think it'll happen, just because after she turned down the offer – Um, Dinah says, like, you turned him down, that's the only thing you're going to get. So I think we'll see him again, but I don't know the circumstances of what the deal will be, if there's another deal, or if it's just him saying no again. But uh, there's only other, I mean, one access point to hell, I guess, that they have, and that's Papa Legba, at least in the coven world. Uh, Unless they can come up with a different way, I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm hoping we see Papa Legba at least one more time. What do you think? I
1: I agree with you. I kind of feel like maybe... You know, we'll discuss theories about where things are going at the end, but I, I, it gave me the feeling, too, that we haven't seen the last of Papa Legba, and maybe he plays a role somehow in still corralling Michael in the end of things. We'll see. Right. So now let's jump over to the other storyline. Um, a Christmas to Dismember, starring Bubbles McGee, which is, let me say, a ridiculous name that it sounds like they were brainstorming, what name should we give this character? Oh, and they just couldn't think of anything. They are like, oh, I don't know, Bubbles McGee? And they are like, yes, that's it.
0: I love um, it. It's, it ahead. sounds like a um, – like a, almost like a porn star name.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, this reminds me of um, – this This kind of felt like almost another – a second cold open in, in some ways, um, the way that it, it kind of plays out. And, of course, you get Joan Collins' return, which we had speculated whether or not she would come back. So that's kind of exciting. And, of course, we learned that she uh, was also a witch. And, you know, assuming then that this is the same character that is also, you know, Nana – And was also another one of the witches that was uh, had her memory wiped or whatever. Although she's not one of the ones we see being brought back later on. Um, And their hair's a different color, but easy enough to, you know, dye the hair. Um, Speaking specifically about kind of this opening. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say Did you know that Joan Collins is in a film similar to this? Cold, or this um, this spoof film that they're joking about as Bubbles, the actress was in. Is she really? She is. It was from the '90s, and it was from the uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, or no, sorry, from the '70s, not the '90s. Obviously, it's not the '90s. It's from the '70s. It, the the it's like an anthology film, Tales from the Crypt, uh, and uh, Joan Collins plays a woman who kills her husband on Christmas Eve, and she tries to hide uh, his body, but then hears this radio announcement that says there's this killer on the loose, Uh, and she sees the killer come to her house, but can't call the police because she just killed her husband. (laughs) Um, Wow, well that's kind of funny, they would just decide to do that. Yeah, so this is a real reference of a Joan Collins film.
1: Well, I was going to say the way that it opened and it looked, I was like surprised then that we went back to contemporary times because it looked like a movie that was from the 70s or something, you know? So I guess that's exactly. because it was an homage.
0: And which is perfect What which is perfect because that's why Madison shows up and says, I thought you already did this movie or I thought you've already done this film. Haven't you already done this film? It's because she did. It's oh, perfect. It's I, really that's a, it's a good wink.
1: That is a good cause wink because I, I was it. a little bit like, eh, I don't really know what she's referencing there, but that's fine. Like, so that's kind of funny. This is a very long sequence. <laughs> yeah well and also kind of having the the serial killer santa also reminded me as kind of a nod to ian mcshane's character the murderous santa in asylum too because i think he's escaped absolutely i thought that too Mm
0: -hmm. anyway the joan collins the movie was called and all through the house Mm,
1: uh, i like that better
0: (laughs) in the tales from the crypt yeah ah although christmas to dismember is pretty awesome (laughs) i would watch that film. i probably would watch it too (laughs) um
1: (laughs) You know, so we learned that Bubbles' power is to extract truth from any situation, and namely what that means is to mind read. Um, So we start getting, and this is a fantastic scene where you have Madison, Bubbles, and um, Myrtle all at this dinner together is like, the best banter you could ask for between these three is hilarious. The kind of playing off each other between Myrtle and, um, and Bubbles is wonderful. Very
0: much enjoyed that. Rarely but we, do I like a new character so quickly, but the two of them, the dynamic together is awesome.
1: Well, and if it is the same character that is Nana in the original, you know, Bunker Number 3 or whatever, right. that character had really terrific one-liners
0: too. So then I guess that yes. would follow. Um, They're so similar that it has to be the same person, just the mind-swept thing that they...
1: Yeah, otherwise it's too confusing if it wasn't the same person. Um, we learn that they want Bubbles to read Ariel Augustus's mind and and maybe also Michael's. Um, but basically, they want to kind of do some investigation. I think they wanted Michael, but
0: Michael didn't come to the dinner.
1: Yeah. Okay. So she ends up reading obviously Baldwin and, and Ariel's mind and, and making some things based on that. Um, so kind of fo- conti- actually, I forgot that I had this divided into three threads. So continuing to follow that thread, um, where Myrtle plays the the theremin in the warlock bunker was hysterical like it's, it's such a weird instrument the only i've seen um i love the band called lord huron and they play the theremin mm-hmm. uh, and they have seen them do it live and it's it's a very fun bizarro instrument but it's i, I don't know something just so quirky that this already like very quirky character plays that instrument is so funny to me um Again, super enjoyed the dinner scene where you've got Myrtle and you've got Bubbles, and then you've got Ariel and Baldwin, like all, you know, smiling and pretending to be friends, and they all really kind of hate each other secretly. And then you start, as they get more drunk, and like Myrtle goes into her wine story that Baldwin and Ariel don't give a shit about, Um, you know, Bubbles is able to start reading the thoughts as their minds drift, (laughs) and you get uh, Ariel thinking of the death of John Henry, um, which helps them to, you know, eventually go and resurrect him. And then, you know, confirms that he wants all the witches dead and this kind of thing. And then also you have her reading Baldwin's mind where he says something like, I want the smiles wiped off of these witches' faces. But I was wondering, you know, at this point, did you realize that Baldwin... I don't know that before this I had realized Baldwin was as involved as Ariel with, like, really wanting to kill everybody else.
0: No, it didn't make sense to me. Like, he didn't have the information that Ariel had murdered John Henry or had him killed uh that he it just i mean it i didn't think he was that dark or devious uh because he didn't have all the information you know he didn't know michael was the devil yet or the devil spawn uh but yet i guess we find out later he makes that dust the powder ocean concoction powder thing yeah uh so i don't know maybe he just didn't like them from the beginning from the get up even though he didn't have all the information he was just a he's just an asshole
1: um. All right. So, you know, following that, you know, back at Miss Robichaux's, uh, we find out that Coco now has the power to divine the calories in food, um, reminiscent of her power to l- detect gluten. I love Coco. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, but so they decide to have some fun with it and, and have her, you know, divine all the calories and all this stuff while... Zoe checks them online. Um, One thing that I think is interesting to note is how close and like good friends Mallory and Coco seem in this reality, whereas obviously Coco is such a huge asshole and kind of their when their minds get wiped. So you you kind of have that juxtaposition. Um, And then obviously you have, you know, the big moment when Coco starts choking and we see Mallory open her throat, withdraw the bite and then heal her, similar to how she healed the wounds on the deer um, in that previous episode. And this is kind of the icing on the cake, I think, right. before we, you know, at least Zoe realizes, oh, we might actually have a real Supreme here. Um, and when she meets with Cordelia, she says out loud something that we had kind of talked about in theories, but at least it's it's verified for sure that um, you know maybe Mallory's the actual Supreme and it's not Michael. So that's mm-hmm. exciting, and obviously it means for sure we're leading towards some kind of big battle or, you know, Mallory versus Michael, I think, is where this season is then headed in one way or another.
0: Right. I will say, I really love how supportive all the women are of each other uh, in Miss Robichaud's school. They, it, it truly is like what you ideally would like to see a sorority be, which is, you know, Coco's like, my power sucks. It's so lame stupid no one cares like i'm basically like weight watchers or whatever and all the girls are like no like develop your powers work you're so great like you can do more push yourself it's it's really wonderful to see all these girls bond like that
1: yeah it's a much healthier environment than it was under when fiona was involved in that kind of stuff
0: and as um as cordelia kind of finds out that maybe it's mallory that's the new supreme she doesn't get devious and terrible like uh like um fiona did she embraces it and is excited for uh, one of her girls to become this person like it's it's really like special what they have there i like it it makes you like them a lot
1: yeah and then you kind of have you know this summation where they have their last supper scene um at the at the coven and um this is the same scene that uh, ryan murphy i believe instagrammed and I like that they had yep. behold, behold there, too, that him and Madison have this real connection yes. now and have kind of become a thing. One thing to notice is I don't think Misty Day was at this dinner. She at least was not in the Instagram she post. She wasn't. I, I
0: didn't know where. Right. I don't, That's a good question. Everyone's trying to figure out where Misty Day was during this whole uh, episode.
1: Yeah, she wasn't around. So maybe we'll, we'll find that out, I, uh, exactly what happened there. Yeah. Um, and then of course, we, we get the answer, this seems like a weird place for it to me a little bit, but we get this answer of what finally brought Myrtle back. And we know that th- or two years ago we have this flashback within a flashback within a flashback. so more of this kind of inception um, where we find out that Cordelia brought Myrtle back for some guidance, basically. Uh, so now we, we know why Myrtle returned from the dead. you know So now we have all these we're, we continue, like I said kind of at the beginning of this episode, we're, we're getting our answers to all these things. This is the episode of answers then
0: after dinner you can see death means nothing in the world of coven yes absolutely true
1: which is then how we see it manifest almost immediately again where after dinner the group does this reservoir walk excuse me reservoir dog walk to the gas station where john henry was killed um which is that in california is it in new orleans is it somewhere in between do the witches have the power like not all of them have the power to you know apparate basically so they must uh, who knows where they're at um but they have Mallory complete her seven wonders by bringing John Henry back from the dead, um, which shows us the, kind of have like that you and I. Sequence. Yes, you have very final scene, and kind of like you and I had predicted, it shows that all their, the actions that she would kind of accidentally done throughout the, sea, the season were the seven wonders, basically leading up to the final one, of course. Right. Uh, Once John Henry is back, he tells them of Miss Mead and kind of how he met his demise and Ariel and all this kind of stuff. And Cordelia decides to send Coco to go get Miss Mead. Why Coco? Did that make sense to you?
0: I, you know, after seeing how it plays out, I really don't know with the exception of she wants to give her uh, some more purpose and responsibility. So she knows she's valued, even though she's essentially just bait. Uh, And the plan is really silly and doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it was nice to see Coco have a role, I guess, with uh, within the plan to kind of come together as a unit and get this woman who took out John Henry. Yeah.
1: And so then, you know, they, with that kind of crew, they shoot Miss Mead with some blow darts and they take her off to eventually get burned at, at the stake and everything. Um, meanwhile, you know, Baldwin has made this, power, this powder that specifically kills women through the air, only women. Um, but then is not given an opportunity. This kind of interaction between Baldwin and Ariel was like almost slapstick in how Ariel (laughs) gets pissed at him and stuff. Um, Before the coven enters and Cordelia literally stifles the patriarchy by gluing their mouths shut. Love it. Love it. And then this episode ends with a, a very coven traditional ending where Baldwin, Ariel, and Miss Mead all get burned at the stake. Um... Miss Uh, me
0: two albino guys from, uh, The Matrix. Yes, (laughs) yes. Is it really? It's not those same actors. No, it's not that. Okay. I think one of them is actually a famous model because I've seen seen him before.
1: Oh, kind of fits with like the fashion of, um,
0: Coven, which is on point. Right in in this episode. Oh, John Henry's outfit is Um, killer.
1: Ah, oh, and he like his dramatic entry is, is awesome too because the with the Coven can't do it. I almost wish that they hadn't shown this us is, bringing him back so he could have had his dramatic entrance of the first time we'd seen him since he died.
0: That would have been good actually, yeah. I, I mean I Cheyenne Jackson's been a bit of a mixed bag for me in this whole series in the anthology of American Horror Story, but I think John Henry's now my favorite role that he's ever played. I, I'd agree his, with that. His like turn on the heel and the scarf flip that he does, or the scarf toss as he's walking away from the three burning uh, people, is just everything. It's so <laughs> great. It has all the elements of the attitude that I want Coven, the tone of Coven, to have. And it was really cool to see him have that moment.
1: And let me say Miss Mead's smile as she's getting burned alive is creepy as hell. Ugh.
0: Props to Kathy Bates. Holy cow, that was... Yeah. I had a question about that. So as she's burning, she's looking up and talking to, like, the devil to take her home or to Satan. And, I, you know, I always thought the devil was downstairs. So that was confusing <laughs> to me.
1: Maybe it just would have looked weird if she just kept looking at her feet. So it's like, you know, even though she's she's talking to the devil, she's still looking up. I don't know. Um,
0: right. A question. For well, me. go ahead. Mm. I will say the other thing in this, and I don't know if this is where you're going, but there's a big biblical reference here with the three burning uh, people. You think about the three crosses and Jesus' crucifixion, there were three people that were hung on the cross that day. So we have another uh, biblical reference here.
1: Interesting. Well, and that leads me to ask the question to you. Uh, a couple questions. One, why can't Michael sense this? And two, what's to stop them from from bringing them back? You know, he he makes a robot version of Miss Meaty. He misses her so much. He's already brought people back from the dead. We know that when people get burned, like John Henry, um, they can be brought back. Unless Michael's powers are not strong enough to bring back someone who's been burned, and it's only through a because his powers are come from a demon or something like that, and it's only a, a a supreme of the coven that is able to do that. I don't know. Do you have any theories?
0: I don't because this is the biggest hole in this episode. Um, I mean, Michael technically was able to bring everyone back from wherever he went to go get them in their personal hells or wherever it was. He was able to do that. What says he can't go back downstairs and get Mrs. Mead, who is one of his disciples, to to come back? It doesn't make sense to me. And and why would you then make a robot instead of just getting her? I don't know. I'm not sure. So that's kind of confusing to me. I don't really even have a theory besides maybe he didn't want to bring her back because dying sucks, and he doesn't want her to die again. Or in the in the apocalypse, she wouldn't make it anyway. So it's better to make a robot version of her. I don't know. This this screams to me of when um, Asylum introduced aliens, and we're like, okay, too much. You know, take one of those off the plate. Like we don't need robots in the apocalypse. Like what we have going on here is just fine. So yeah. I don't know. Do you do you have a theory why that? You would make a well, robot y- out y- of her y- as opposed to anything else?
1: No, you know, but perhaps they do have an answer in mind that they'll give to us. Um, and that kind of brings me into what I what I was going to say to wrap this episode up, is that this episode did answer a lot of questions that we had about things, you know. Um, what Was Nana involved in the coven, you know, um, and, and we get the character of Bubbles. Um, you know, we figure out how Dina Dinah was involved in, you know, her connection to Marie Laveau and the voodoo witches and everything. And then we also kind of get the, a little bit of closure on Nan as well, so... I think that to some degree, we've got some questions answered on stuff. Um, you know, n- questions for you going into this um, or, or wrapping this up and going into the final three episodes. Cause I think we only have eight, nine, ten left. Um, right. It's, it's 10 episodes. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's, that's what we've been told from the get go. And on IMDB, there's only 10 listed. So yeah. I assume that's what we got.
1: Yeah. So we have not too much time to really kind of catch things up back to the, the, starting point of where this all began for us in episode one. Um, So knowing what we know now about Legba, the coven, you know, getting Papa Legba to open a hole to hell to bring Michael in. And also knowing what we know about, you know, um, the original scene from one of the first few episodes where after Mallory and um, Coco and Diana all die from the apples, we see Myrtle, Cordelia, and Madison walk in to bring them back uh, question for you and there's been a lot of discussion on this on Facebook um, from from Michael, from Amy, from others who's dead and who isn't at this point? Are there Because so, this takes place on Halloween and we have to remember that on Halloween the dead can walk the earth so are Cordelia who was already ailing and Myrtle and Madison, did they die again but they come back on Halloween and are able to use their powers to revive Mallory, Coco and Dinah
0: I'm gonna think that they are dead, not because I want them to be, or I don't want them to die, but our biggest clue in this situation is when Michael and Mallory are, when he's interviewing her and that whole thing uh, of the uh, who are you, who are you happens, and he says something along the lines of, I thought I got rid of all of you. So I'm assuming that they are actually all dead, uh, because of that one line i think that's our biggest clue and that's what i'm rolling with right now and because it is halloween maybe they're coming back because of the uh because of on halloween everyone walks the earth what do you think
1: i think that that makes the most sense and i think there is a lot of evidence that points to that the fact that cordelia has strong enough powers to revive people when she has been losing her powers because there's been a new supreme indicates that maybe you know in her dead version she has all her original powers for that one day which is interesting um but it also makes you wonder... I don't know. Um, all of the past characters who have like gone to their own... Uh, witches when they die, when they've gone to their own hells. It doesn't sound like, for instance, Misty Day came back on Halloween in the past. Um, but maybe somehow the way they were killed, they're not in a situation where they're reliving their own hell like everybody else. So, right. But I think that's a good theory, and it makes a lot of sense that they are all dead. Um, you know, what does... What does for sure knowing that Mallory is the next Supreme mean for us? Because that is kind of one of the big things we, we now know going into these last few episodes.
0: Right. Well, clearly they they protect her uh, because they give her that mind spell where she forgets her identity as well as Coco and Dinah. Um, here's, I don't think we've seen enough of... Mallory as a Supreme I don't know I'm just not as into Mallory I, b- I hope people don't hate me for that and I like Billy Lord but I don't think she was the right actress to play maybe Mallory she was great as Mallory as the assistant but Mallory as the next Supreme I don't know There, there's not enough It's she's too One-dimensional still I guess I don't know. I know she's got co- cool powers. She's very sweet she supports Coco, I like that. But I don't really I'm not connecting with her as as well as I am with like Coco, let's say. Like I hated her. We had too much of her in the beginning of the season. And now like who she is and how she interacts is kind of funny and like endearing. Mm-hmm. Mallory's, you know, she's supposed to be the savior, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. for mankind. Yet I don't think she's on par with Michael. And I, I need to see something else, I think. And, and we're running out of time episode wise. Do you think how do you I to- feel about Mallory's the supreme I totally
1: I totally agree I totally agree with you unless the the point of Mallory is just to use her as a device to fix everything in the end um, you know that's one thing but I do feel like like you said that character does not have at, up to this point enough development for me to like really seriously be cheering for her but I did like her better as the assistant uh, back toward the beginning when Michael's like interviewing her in the room and everything like that versus the version we've seen in these flashbacks is is kind of a one key in in that regard so hopefully we i mean like you said we don't have much time to get character development so we'll have to see how that works but maybe now that we're making the transition back up to the kind of uh modern or you know current moment um we'll stop paying you know we'll kind of separate a little bit from cordelia and some of these other witches we've gotten a lot of time with now and going to focus a little bit more on mallory so that does mean that speaking to the timeline we only have three episodes left and we need to and we're still in a flashback we need, yeah, we need to figure out, you know, how the, how the apocalypse, first of all, like how Michael kills all the witches, how the apocalypse happens and then go back to the modern moment and see how Mallory and the witches that are there kill Michael. And at this point, I assume we aren't going back to the sanctuary, uh, unless that's thrown in kind of frivolous. Nah, yeah,
0: like. I, I don't even care. Yeah. I doubt it.
1: Yeah. that was just a little think, um, red herring thrown in at the beginning. We're never going to end up seeing. So with that yeah with that being said do you have any more questions before we go to rate this episode
0: I just want to make uh, one comment uh, or two comments one is of course all of a sudden the witches when Coco is choking she dies in like 10 seconds which is hilarious (laughs) Um, but also her choking like they don't know how to do the Heimlich maneuver and they don't have any spells or anything that could like help her (laughs) You was something that's so basic biology. <laughs> that was the, the, annoying. But these also, witches are
1: so powerful, but God forbid they don't chew their food all the way.
0: They learn first aid. <laughs> uh, yes,
1: they need they need a witch whose power is mastication.
0: <laughs> which is funny because I think in the scene with Bubbles and Madison on the movie set, um, Bubbles says, like, yeah, you young witches, all you do is just go around and thinking of throw a spell at everything. And that's what they think about the... Coco choking and yeah they can't figure out how to just do the heimlich maneuver anyway that's funny um one of my favorite scenes i've ever seen in the series so far is the slow strut walk that 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 coven is notorious for but with myrtle vaping as she's walking (laughs) it was so great i loved it myrtle vaping like oh my god that's that does seem on point for that character times on that yeah that's oh, my God. It's so perfect. I, I love it. It's I, I want a whole series of Myrtle and Bubbles uh, just going around doing silly things all over town. That would be fantastic.
1: That's what Bryce said on Facebook, too, and I absolutely agree. I think that that would be way better than, like, your uh, your senior couples' comedies like Grace and Frankie or whatever. would not do it. <laughs> so with that being yep. said, what kind of rating would you give this? And let's weigh it in. Um, oof. Unchewed gobs stuck in your throat.
0: (laughs) Ugh, God. I am going to keep sounding like a broken record lately, but I was pretty happy with this episode. I'm critical on certain things, but I was engaged the whole time. Like Bubbles was a great character to introduce, and rarely do they introduce a new character that I care about, especially when it's someone uh, who isn't, I don't know, doesn't seem like they're necessary it, it like we could have done s- without this whole storyline but it was fun and uh, and at least american horror story coven those there were a lot of fun things that happened so this was hitting the right tone for coven i liked that mm-hmm. um so i'm going to say i give this a 4 4 um s- s- whatever those dessert things are stuck in your throat what do you <laughs> give it i'm going to
1: give it um I'm gonna give it the same thing I gave last week too, which is a 3.75, which is still a great score. Um, I, I do like how we filled in a lot of holes here. Uh, there, it was great to see. I want to highlight again, great to see Papa Legba. Good to see Nan. Yes. Uh, great to get the backstory on Bubbles, all that kind of stuff. It felt like this episode had a lot going on, and I almost wonder if it felt a little bit to me like the writers were like, oh, shit, we only have four episodes left to tie this story together, so we need to make some ground. And so that's what they were trying to do, trying to fill in some of the
0: things here and there. Um, we, answered got the stories, got we got a lot of questions, got a lot of story. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, we, they answered questions, but they were essentially just treading water uh, when it comes to the main story. Plot-wise,
1: right? yeah, exactly. So... You know, I, I think that that score is is based on being like um, skeptical on where this is going and whether they can pull off having only three episodes left to do it. Um, I've seen some people were comparing the format of this season kind of to Roanoke in the way that the all the different storylines are working yes. and you know i think roanoke they ended up being able to pull together but you know last last season i think you and i were massively disappointed in the way that colt ended so we'll have to see we we, we kind of go back and forth on endings and pressure's on now three episodes let's see if they can do it but that being said i'm looking forward to it i so did not see is... what was that
0: oh i was just gonna say this is not really a crossover season between coven and murder house this is a this is a coven sequel
1: Yes, with a brief uh, bottle episode where we go back to Murder House with Coven characters. Yep. Yes. Exactly. I agree. So misbranded slightly, but still, it's been fun. Um, <laughs> with that being said, I did not I see would like the preview. Yeah. 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 Well, I would too. Uh, not s- having, um, I didn't see the preview for next week, so I can't speak to that. I all.
0: did. Any um, quick things I'll you want to tell? tell other, two the biggest. Three. There's two big things. One is we see Michael looks like recruiting people, and two of them are uh played by um uh evan oh my god what's it oh my god evan peters Um, evan peters i was about to call him evan williams which is a whiskey (laughs) um (laughs) evan peters and one is played by billy eichner yeah uh and i have no idea they are wearing horrible wigs like horrible haircuts and i have no idea if they are actually the characters in um that they played uh early on brock and Mr. Mr. Gallant. Gallon. Gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's them early on or what happened there, but it looks like Michael's recruiting them, so we go back to Michael. And then we also see um, Sandra Bernard come in and play a character who seems like she's like the head of a Satan, the Church of Satan or something like that, doing some recruiting and, and preaching as well. So that's we're, we're going to revisit Michael, I guess, next episode, but it still looks like it's a flashback.
1: Well, maybe at least this gets us up to the apocalypse actually taking place, which is kind of what we need to get to pretty quickly here. So a lot to look forward to there. Um, Between now and next week, Chris, where can
0: people catch you? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler?
1: You can always find me on Twitter at TJMoss11. We encourage you all to check us out at Facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. Join the conversation. Let's keep those theories going about what's going to happen in these last three episodes. We want to know what you think. And as always, you can also email us your questions, thoughts, theories at This American Story at gmail.com. Uh, with that being said, until next Go week, vote. thank you guys so much. That's right. And we'll say it again next week, too. But until then, uh, happy hauntings, everybody.